Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Zoner. I'm Zook. And it's late. It's way late. It's like tomorrow. It's so late. Yeah, uh, so we're recording this Saturday, which you're thinking, hey, that's no big deal. Um, they record on Saturdays all the time. Heck, we've recorded on Sundays before. Except it's like, it's only been Saturday for like 12 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a long day. I've been up for 20 hours at this point, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that feeling. And uh, so we're probably going to be doing a lot of producing on the air tonight. This should be interesting. Yeah, it should be fun. But hey, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend. I will be up in the mountains uh, probably in about uh, 12 hours, I think I'll be there setting up a tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will not come back. Probably ever, because I'm sure a bear will consume my flesh. But if I am back next week, hey, congratulations, you have a co-host, Zook. Yay. (laughs) Remember, folks, if you're ever attacked by a bear, go for the groin. Yeah, because a bear hates nothing more than getting kicked in the nuts. It's true. It's true. It's the only time it's actually sporting as well. If ever you're going up against a grizzly or a silverback gorilla, those are the only times it's perfectly acceptable. I wonder how effective that would actually not, be. Not. It's not. On it's, a silverback. It's if, not if on either. feel that. You will still die, but at least we'll be able to sing your praise knowing that you died fighting. Yeah, I mean, obviously Look, death is imminent. Zahner was mauled, his head was ripped off, his arms cleaned from their socket, but he got at least three good Rochambeaus in before he was eaten. <laughs> <laughs> That's a code word, man. Let's all raise a glass. <laughs> that actually that actually goes on your headstone at that point. It, Zoner it died. He rochambeaued a bear. <laughs> and people would people would look at that and they would say, "Dang, I want to be like him," except without the death and the stupid. Well, it kind of goes hand in hand with rochambeauing a bear. <laughs> So, should we talk about our sponsors? And then I got to issue an on-air apology for our patron su- supporters. Sure, sure. Um, hey, shout out to our friends over at TrekRadio.net, CryptonRadio.com, OpenBookAudio, Stitcher.com, Radio KSCR, and Geek Factor Radio. Okay, thank you, sponsors. We do love you. Um, so, I got to apologize to our Patreon sponsor, or supporters. If you do not support us and you want to, you can do that over at uh, patreon.com slash stolen droids. But I posted a podcast uh, of an interview, Stolen Droids Present, uh, with uh, Arlen Schumer, who is an author... Uh, comic book historian, extremely knowledgeable and talented individual. It was a very fun conversation. And our early access guys got access to it early. Uh, the rest of y'all were going to get it sometime, uh, next week. So I'm thinking like Wednesday. So, you know, a couple days after you hear this, but I discovered about halfway through the podcast, there were some technical difficulties on his end that caused the audio to just straight up go to crap. I can't fix it, so I'm sorry. You guys got a bad podcast. But if you can actually stick through it and and get past the the problems that we have, uh then, you know, good for you. You get to hear a lot of cool stuff and learn a lot of cool stuff. I will be mastering a fresh episode that will not have that. Unfortunately, it won't have about half the interview. 
but we will have Arlen back on and we will talk with him some more. So just want to just want to issue an apology to you guys out there. I think right now Zane may be the only one who's who's gotten it. But um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for our supporters. If you do want to support us, go ahead and do that. You can get early access to our shows for as little as five dollars a month. And extra shows. And extra shows. Or half shows, as it were. Well, they got the full show. That's the thing. It, it may not all be, it may not all be awesome quality, but they get the whole thing. We'll, we're, we're working on this, folks. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get better. We promise. We hope. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm actually working on right now? And I want feedback on this from people if this is something to be, they'd be interested in. I've always wanted a challenge coin. And I've always wanted to like have like a custom made one up. And I found out that I can actually do that. I, I figured out I have a supplier lined up. I have a designer to help. And I'm thinking that Patreon subscribers would get, um, depending on their level of, of patronage contribution. Sure. Support their support Su- level, the, the support level. They'll either have early access or a discounted or a free, um, challenge coin. And then we would just open them up in like the store if anyone else wants them. I don't know. Let, let me know feedback at stolendroids.com if that's something that, that interests you. If you're not really familiar with it, there's some great things online. It, they're, they're cool. They're cool I, in a useless kind of way. I think it would actually be cool. You know, my, uh, next door neighbor is a bodyguard for a very, uh, prominent religious figure here, especially, I mean, he's prominent around the world, uh, but especially here in Salt Lake City area and they have challenge coins mm-hmm. and he gave me one we were chatting one day he's like oh I, i've got one of the new ones let me go get it for you so yeah he he actually gave me a challenge coin so that's the only one i have but i agree we do need to have a uh a stolen droids challenge coin. That, that'll be great because if ever you go into a bar and you want to challenge the bar you can tap the challenge coin to the bar and see who has one and whoever doesn't has to buy the round, which is hilarious on how you got that one then. Exactly. I'm, I'm just saying. And, oh, yeah, I just, I drink water. I don't even do soda. So it, buy my water. Buy my water. All right. Well, into our show this week, we don't really have a common theme. There wasn't one major, just huge event that happened, but some interesting things. I feel like everything this week was a follow-up. There was a lot of follow-up stuff. And, you know, I thought it was interesting because there was, it didn't even feel like a lot happened regardless of, of that. But if you look at our headlines, you can tell a lot did. It's yeah. just, you know how sometimes you can get one of our episodes and the episode just stands alone, like a really good TV show. You There isn't some kind of overarching story. This is not one of those. <laughs> this is almost like a clip show. Yeah. Sorry. A where are they now kind of clip show. Yeah. So first up, patent trolls. We haven't talked about patent trolls in what feels like forever. Well, I think they were in the news so much for so long that we kind of got tired of them. Kind of like Blackberry and Sony and. Oh yeah. Blackberry's in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. They are. Um, but you know, there's, there's some stuff like Google and Apple that are constantly making news and it's different news. Whereas Blackberry and some of these other things, it's the same thing over and over and over again. And we just get tired of it. Mm-hmm. Well, this time we have new news, 
from patent trolls. See, um, there was a ruling by a judge that said that patents can be argued anywhere where the defending device or company is sold. Long story short, if you are suing Apple, you could shop around to whatever court would be friendly for you so long as it was in a jurisdiction where Apple products were sold. And for these larger companies like Google or Apple or Microsoft, they're sold worldwide, which gave the patent trolls a lot of leeway to shop around for a court that would be uh, preferable to them. And we found a lot of them were in central Texas, if not all of them. Uh, just something about the courts down there. The judges down there didn't mind sticking it to Apple for some reason um, for a patent that had They're nothing Android to do. fanboys. Yeah. Well, no, because then they'd turn around and do the same thing for Google. <laughs> well, a federal, um, a federal judge has overturned that ruling and stated now that if you're going to go after a company, it has to happen in the jurisdiction where that company is incorporated. So if you're going to sue Apple, you now have, have to do it in a Cupertino, California court. You know, that, I don't like patent trolls, but that doesn't seem like it lays the groundwork for a fair and impartial trial. Well, it, more so than the previous one. I mean, what's really funny about this entire story is, is that you'd think, oh, hey, this is meant specifically for, uh, this is meant specifically for the, uh, for the tech sector. But in truth, it's because of craft. Kraft and Heinz. The food companies. Yeah, they were being sued by a company that said that they owned the patent rights on how their containers are shaped and how the lips work. Like the lips, like the little flip top? Yeah, the flip top or the, uh, you know, the, the no mess mustard and ketchup bottles. Those little gaskets that keep the fluid back. Okay. Until you squeeze it too hard, which means that the beginning of your hot dog always has like this giant ocean of mustard or ketchup, which turns into a nice line after that. Yeah. I have issues. Um, it makes sense. I mean, it, it really does. I mean, I understand what you're saying because you're right. Let's say that, um, I make sprockets and widgets here and I've, my family has been making sprockets and widgets here in this town for generations. It's part of the community. Everyone knows the sprockets and widgets factory up the street. My uncle used to work there, you know, that kind of thing. And someone decides to sue us saying, well, we actually own the patent on sprockets and widgets. We're going to take you to court. Well, if you were to go to court here in my town, they're going to crucify you. Because everyone knows me, everyone knows my Sprockets and Widgets company, there are ties to the community in my company, and this happens to be the community, versus a neutral location. The problem is, is that the neutral locations in the past have never been neutral. They've always been favorable to the patent trolls. Which I don't think is right either. But yeah, I just, I don't know, it it seems... I'm conflicted on it because I hate patent trolls and I like to see them get, get it stuck to them. But there's that whole fair trial, you know, it just, I don't know. I'm very conflicted, Zook. Very conflicted. I don't know. 
I think this is a good thing. It it probably is because you know, obviously the patent trolls are just straight up trolling. They're they're trying to make money. They're hoping for a settlement. Right, and if they have to travel and go to a potentially um, combative court, they'll be less likely to take the ones that they're just doing just to make money. And I think that that is a good deterrent there. If I'm going to try and sue Apple with a frivolous patent lawsuit and I've got to do it on their home turf, I think I'm probably less likely to bring that frivolous lawsuit. But I see your point, too, where if you're just Joe Everyman Schmo who made a piece of hardware and got a patent on it and Apple comes out with it, you are out of your own money having to travel to another jurisdiction, another state, and bring a case against them in what could potentially be a very unfriendly court to you. Yes. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I think I think it's a double-edged sword. I would imagine, you know, I say this, and as I say this, I realize it sounds very naive, but I would hope that the courts in this instance would be able to remain impartial despite the fact that they happen to know the company a bit better. You would hope so. And, and even as I say that, I realize, yeah, but just because you want it. But, you know, I mean, O.J. Simpson got off, so... And then he didn't. And then he didn't. So, I don't know. It's just... There's flaws. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. It's flawed. But I, I appreciate what they're trying to do, but at what cost? Um... (laughs) Do we want eyes to bleed yet? The next headline is from the Wall Street Journal, and unfortunately the paywall has already come down on it, which means you won't be able to pull a whole lot of information, but I can tell you this. Um, Uber is in the headlines again, and this is a follow-up because we've mentioned things like this before. It was found that in New York City, and probably other places too, but so far only confirmed in New York City, it was underpaying its drivers. Surprise. Surprise, surprise. They were taking far more commission from drives than they should have. Um, they are going to have to pay their drivers for two and a half years of back wages. And I hate using that term because if you're, I mean, are you paid a wage as an Uber driver? Um, if you're not an employee, do you get a wage? Sorry, picking at that wound. I, well, I mean, there's an agreement. They say we'll pay you X percent. And I drove for Uber for a short time, Uber and Lyft, just, you know, for fun. I really enjoyed it. But that percentage that they were paying seemed to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller with each ride that I did for them to the point where I was driving to break even. And, you know, I did it as a pastime. It wasn't something that I was wanting to spend money to do. Uh, so I'm not surprised by this at all. And it seems like the longer Uber seems to exist, the more of a horrible, horrible company they are. And I think they've always been that horrible company, but we're finding out about it. 
Mm-hmm. And their existence is not helping the fact that we keep finding out this stuff. Well, so we don't have the, the numbers now because this article is behind a paywall. And I've looked up other ones. And I can't find the exact amount. I want to say that it came to like $27 million that they shortchanged their drivers. Just in New York? Just in New York City. Wow. And uh, Uber has said that they'll pay it back. Um, every driver will get a refund of around $900. Which, good that you're paying, that's not, that doesn't add up. $27 million, 900 bucks. Calculator here. <laughs> um, there is a union that represents Uber drivers, which on one hand, of course there is because it's New York. But on the other hand, if your workforce has a union, I think at that point you should just call them employees and start giving them benefits. Yeah, um, probably. That's that's about 30,000 drivers. So are we thinking that there are 30,000 drivers in New York City that got stiffed? I don't know. That number seems high, but you log into Uber or Lyft and try and get a ride here in Salt Lake City, and it seems like there's about 30,000 drivers out there. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that number's not too far off, but that does seem like a lot. But New York is big. Mm. There's a lot of people there. Let's stay on the whole um, uh, legal stuff and whatnot, shall we? We're, we're going to jump here towards the bottom and PayPal and PayPal. <laughs> This is so funny. I had problems with this. When it first came out, I had problems with this. I was listening to Pandora one day on my way home from work, and I got out of my car, and I, I closed the app, and everything's great. And the next morning, I hopped into my car to go back to work, and I couldn't find Pandora. And instead, I had two PayPal icons. Until I realized, no, one of those is Pandora. I thought my phone had glitched. Until I realized that, no, there is a slight difference to the icon. Pandora had rebranded their icon to be exactly like PayPal's. And I'm thinking, this is the stupidest rebrand ever. Did they not do any kind of research here? Are they trying to go off of PayPal's... Uh, do they think PayPal is more used and that they're a bigger company? So they're trying to like hitch a ride on those coattails? Because I'll bet you people use Pandora daily more often than they use PayPal daily. True. You know, I am not a huge fan of Pandora. I prefer Spotify. But um, this right here would make would make me uninstall Pandora. I, I would straight up uninstall it. If I constantly was opening the wrong app because they changed how their icon looks. They changed their logo. I, yeah. I would take it off. Well, I think it's funny. This article that we have here has all these, well, has a couple tweets from people, but there, this is just a sampling. There's a ton of tweets. People saying, I have PayPal and Pandora next to each other and they look the same. So I always end up opening PayPal. It's like, yeah. The only reason I don't is because I had to move them to separate folders entirely. Did you really? Yeah, I had to move them to completely separate folders. That was the only way to keep it from happening. 
Oh, my goodness. Uh, part of it, they will never be able to fix because they both start with P-A. So if you sort alphabetically, they will always end up next to each other. That's just the way it is. But you should really... Uh, you should really work that to your advantage. If you're a popular app and you know you're always going to be right next to another popular app on people's phones, you should do something to one-up the other app's icon, not mimic them so badly so that every time you go, people, your customers are going to listen to music, they're opening up the other app. Yeah, that just causes frustration and anger. So evidently, PayPal tried to bring this to Pandora's attention. Pandora didn't want to do anything about it, didn't want to respond, didn't want to fix it. So they had, quote, no choice but to file this lawsuit. And so they're really just asking Pandora to stop using the new logo and to pay for damages. And when they say pay for damages, they usually just mean the legal fee involved in filing, um, which they may or may not get. But you always ask for it because, hey, why not? Yeah. Yeah, seriously, Pandora, just seriously, seriously. What was wrong with the old one? I liked the old one. I don't even remember what the old one looked it like. It was kind of a silverish with a, uh, a blue P and kind of um, sound waves coming off either side of it. I actually need to Google it now. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I, I just... Why? Yeah, that... Wow. Yeah. that That's just really bad marketing. Mm-hmm. They they did not think that one through at all. Um, in the weird BlackBerry news that we talked about previously, but it has actually come to a close now. Sorry. Yes, we have to keep talking about this. <laughs> Qualcomm has decided, well, not decided to, but they've come to a settlement with BlackBerry concerning... Um, I guess overchargement, uh, yes, overchargement. Wow. Uh, there was a dispute over Qualcomm's royalty cap. And I guess BlackBerry was found to have been paying too much for access to Qualcomm's things. Now, this is not the only Qualcomm thing in the news right now. Apple's having the same issue with Qualcomm. I want to say Google had the issue. HTC had the issue. Everyone at some point has been under scrutiny from Qualcomm. Uh, they basically own a stranglehold on all radio chipsets in the U.S. and can sometimes practice some unrighteous dominion over their child companies or their, their vendors. Well, they uh, they finally reached a uh, an arbitration settlement, and it's going to be around. And here's what's confusing: the initial settlement was eight hundred and fourteen point nine million. Uh, and Qualcomm says they are out 974 million. So either that number has gone up to 974 or somehow they lost 160 million dollars in legal fees. Seems legit. Yeah, they're, they're, pay- are- they're paying 815 million, but they're telling their investors they're out 974 million. And the headline says that the settlement is for $940 million, which will be paid on or before May 31st. So what do you do when you're a defunct uh, phone company and you suddenly get a windfall of $940 million? 
Well, I think that'll last them, what, about three quarters? Dude, I say you just give all your employees really nice vacations for sticking with you through that dumpster fire uh, that has been the last 15 years. You know, it's kind of funny. One of my coworkers, he, he actually told me about this the other day. And he looked at me and said, so is BlackBerry back now? Is this, did, does this mean that BlackBerry is going to have a resurgence? Did you laugh? I did. I said they've probably got about three quarters of, of operations out of this. I look, people, money was never BlackBerry's problem. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but bear with me here. Um, they had money when they started their downfall. Their downfall didn't happen because they were out of money. Being out of money was a side effect of their downfall, not the cause. Suddenly, ha- suddenly having money again doesn't mean that they're all fixed and everything's better. But when you're a company as big as BlackBerry, and I mean, how much have they lost? They've, they've been losing, what, about $300 million a quarter? Is mm-hmm. that right? So, I mean, when you're a company this big, $940 million isn't that much money. No. I mean, I, and this, let's see, the the headline on this is, or the date on this article is from May 26th. Qualcomm is going to pay on or before May 31st. That's like a week apart. And for them to just come up with just under a billion dollars, these are big companies. They're playing with monopoly money at this point. Right. Well, not so much for Qualcomm. Or, dude, I was wondering where rent was going to come from this month. Yeah, I mean, they probably just pulled that out of the couch in the lounge. Mm-hmm. Not the reception area couch. That's the nice one. People don't lose money in that one. Yeah, for That's sure. That's only for visitors. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's see. What Where are we going next? Do we have any other legal stuff? Because it seems like we should. No? I, I don't know. It seemed like there was a lot of law things this week. Well, let's go into sticky situations. Um... No, not that headline. That act, that headline would work better for sticky situations. We're going to go Facebook. <laughs> um. <laughs> you you guys will understand where we're going with on this one when we get oh to that. Um, a leak has come out, or will be coming out, uh, from Facebook. Internal documents that detail how Facebook handles... Um, controversial content we'll just say some of it isn't really controversial we know it's just horrible like child abuse animal abuse people killing themselves people killing each other um people beating up other people people torturing other people you know the kind of things that have been in the news lately Mm -hmm. and we've talked about it on this show about what a slippery slope it is do you just immediately block all that stuff completely because that's kind of thought police levels but do you segment it off into other parts of the population or block it so you can't see it that way you're not necessarily suppressing it but you're also not forcing it on everyone else i made the point that that makes us kind of complicit in the behavior um do you simply call attention to it well that potentially exposes people who wouldn't want to be exposed to it otherwise even if you're doing it with the noblest of intention it's a really really slippery slope it is and these documents kind of point out yeah, Facebook knows it's a slippery slope. They don't have a clue what to do. They really don't. And I think that 
I think that translates into more areas than just this. Yeah. Um, the, these documents, these policies, these procedures are really kind of more of a, well, do this unless it doesn't feel like it falls under this, then do this instead or don't do anything. I'm just going to throw out one here. Um, it's a general rule that they allow violent language unless it involves, quote, credible threats to an individual group. So um, that's really open to interpretation. So obviously, if I said I was going to kill the president, that's a red flag. That's a no-no, which I could never get away with saying killing the president on air on a podcast like I've been saying for the last three, four years, just to see if anyone ever actually calls me on it. That is your like go-to. That That is your go-to example. And every time I have to fly somewhere for work, I'm amazed that I'm not on a no-fly list. Hey, I got put on the fast fast list. Last time I traveled to Schmitty, we got the TSA pre-check. I went right through security. Did you have to pay for that, or did they just pull you aside and say, hey, Mr. Asian man, you're not a threat? No, they said, hey, you look brown. Can you uh, say these regular English words? I said, I don't speak English. And they said, okay, well, I'm sure you're safe. No, Schmitty, this is, it's worse than that, actually. Schmitty travels a lot for business, so he paid for the TSA pre-check. And because we were flying together and our tickets were under the same ID when they were purchased, because he's pre-checked as a known traveler and obviously safe, they automatically assumed I was too. And they just threw me into that, into the the same pre-check line, which makes Chris Rock's advice to all the homies out there all the more credible. If you've got to drive somewhere, take a white friend. (laughs) That is true. I'm just saying. That is true. Joe is laughing her head off at her speakers right now. I just know it. <laughs> yeah, my our, our white friend Schmitty made me safe by association when traveling through a TSA checkpoint. Oh, now, to be fair, I wasn't saying kill the president as I was getting as I was walking through security. I did say uh Allah Akbar, Durka Durka, Muhammad Jihad. Um <laughs> mutter and under your breath get a bomb the hell out of this place yeah they never say anything uh anyway back to the point facebook pointed out that saying things like i'm gonna kill you isn't really actionable it's not it's pretty generic it's pretty facetious it's not really credible um but then if you could say something like i'm gonna kill you tomorrow at school and it will be done in a slow and painful well, way. Well, no, no, no. Even just what I said. Even if I just say that, does that suddenly make it a viable threat? Is that credible? They don't know. They don't say. Um, there's other areas that they're not really sure where to go with. Uh, they'll sometimes allow violent death and self-harm videos so long as they mark them as disturbing and can, quote, help raise awareness of issues like mental health. Because you know the sicko that's pulling that up is saying, dude, I want to see this guy kill himself because I'm really concerned about Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah, that just, that doesn't seem right. Somebody goes on a killing spree, they're going to tag their Facebook Life or Facebook Live video as disturbing and tag it with mental health awareness or something and all of a sudden Facebook's okay with it. Yeah, um, there's another one that says it won't automatically scrub images of non-sexual 
animal or child abuse, so long as the material is both flagged appropriately and doesn't take pleasure in the act. I think what they're trying to say there is, if you take a video of someone who's beaten their kid in a parking lot, pointing out how horrible this is, if anyone knows these people or or whatnot, or, or, or highlighting the atrocity of the act, they'll leave it up. Versus, hey, check this out. Isn't this hilarious? Watch how the kid cries. That would be taking pleasure in the act. They would take that down. What I think is really going on, and I hate being the cynic, it's exhausting, and it's your job, frankly, but what people are doing is they're recording that that hypothetical act going, I'll bet you I can get tons of views. Yep. Let's go viral. Yeah, I... Well, they're still confused on nudity as well. I mean, you know, obviously you can't show um, elbows while you're in the bathtub. Right. Elbows are entirely off limits. But if it's um, newsworthy, then photographic nudity, as well as handmade nude art. So if I draw a painting of elbows, that's okay? Yeah, I mean that that's all good. That's all good. If you don't know what we're talking about with the elbows, there's a Facebook photo of a lady in the bathtub with her elbows visible and yeah, it was taken down because of nudity. So naked elbows are a no-no. But you know, they did get in trouble with that Vietnam War photo as well. Mhm. And they took that down and people are like, "Wait, this is a historically significant image. What are you doing?" Oh, well, it was an oversight by our bots and algorithms, and the denominator didn't carry the one. It divided by zero, and it deleted a photo. Yeah. <laughs> Go fig. Um, honestly, I would not want to be in that department of Facebook, or Facebook in general right now. That is such a horrible position to be in right now. There's no way they can win. Well, they've got two billion users, and... With as sensitive as our society and our our world is right now, I mean, all you've got to do is look at somebody the wrong way, and you are likely to piss them off to the point where they will either want to fight you or sue you. And that's just as you walk down the street. Uh, they, I mean, Facebook is in a no-win situation here. Mm-hmm. Everybody is demanding a tough crackdown because feelings and... Then you've got people who are saying, well, I'm going to live my life. Stop telling me what I can and can't do on the Internet. And it's just it's it's a no win situation. But I got to say, I don't really feel bad for Facebook because I don't really like Facebook at all. Yet I spend a lot of time there. Yes. Yes, you do. Necessary evils. (laughs) Um, Okay, into let's go. Hmm. We got some other ones here. Let's go um, hacking. Okay, cool. So I have a Galaxy S8 Plus, and I love it. And as much as I loved the iris scanner at first, I found it faster to just use the fingerprint scanner. But the iris scanner is still enabled. 
And I had previously read and have read in many cases, many, many times from many different authorities that while you can spoof the facial recognition, you can't spoof the iris scanner. Just kidding. Yeah, a team of hackers has found a way to spoof the iris scanner using next to nothing. It's really quite clever, isn't it? Very clever. So using a old, not even very good digital camera, they took a picture of someone from a distance away, cropped it, and zoomed in on just their eyes, printed it out with a laser printer, and then put contact lenses over the irises on the picture, and that unlocked the phone. That is that is quite ingenious. I don't know that I would have thought to do that. I mean, maybe take a picture. It, right, it's too simple. But the whole contact lens thing? Well, the contact lens is a fake iris. It's the right curvature. It's the uh-huh. right... It makes sense how that would work. It, it makes perfect sense. I would never think of that, though. I don't know what that says about me or what that says about the people who figured it out, but... Well, it's like, okay, so there was an episode of Mythbusters years ago where they try different ways to break into something by thwarting all the different security measures that buildings would have. And when it came to the infrared motion sensor and sound sensor, it was an all-in-one sensor that did motion, did infrared, and did ultrasound, right? It was just flooding a room with this field, and if you broke the field, it caught you. Yeah. They found that they could break it Every time they could get past that sensor every single time by holding up a really fluffy blanket. (laughs) It had to be fluffy, like feathery fluffy. At first they did it slow and then they started speeding up and then it got to the point that they could just walk comfortably. And so long as the blanket was blocking the sensor from them, it had no clue. It never, ever went off. Wow. And it's just kind of those things that it's like, Huh. Huh. Well, okay then. Is that something that someone just stumbles across? Maybe. I mean, oh, wow. You'll never guess what I noticed today. And then they start digging into it a little bit more. I mean, obviously, I don't think the iris scanner thing was something that you just stumble across. Right. This had to be people who are familiar with it. Yeah, people that are trying, okay, well, what's the limits here? What can we, what can and can we not do and get away with? Mm-hmm. But like that blanket thing, it's like, so I was walking and it was cold and I had this blanket and I noticed the sensor and yeah, I don't know. Uh, in other problem news when it comes to, uh, Android, that did not segue well. Sausage. Breaking out the sausage. Um, researchers have discovered a whole suite of problems with Android. They're calling them cloak and dagger. Uh, it's a, an entire class of attacks that can operate on a phone without anyone even knowing it's there. They can log keystrokes, install software, um, take over entire API hooks that control the hardware itself. Yeah. And all it does, it does this all by drawing on top of an existing window, almost creating a fake transparent app running over all the other apps. Yeah, and they can do this while the phone screen isn't even on. 
And one of the scary things, they, they need two permissions for this. Uh, the main one is the system alert window, which is basically the draw on top, and then the bind accessibility service, which is kind of an ally thing. But if you're coming from the Google Play Store, you get that system alert window permission automatically. And so you just need, if you're a developer here, you just need to try and trick them into giving the bind accessibility service, which, let's face it, isn't all that hard. Who actually reads what permissions are being given? To I have tons of them that bind accessibility because they need to. They yeah. sit on top of the lock screen or they go up into the, the assist tray up at the top. Yeah. Any of those things need to run and have the, 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 the wow, brain fart. System accessibility. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that difficult to get this. This is kind of scary. And, like, every phone out there, every phone out there that's Android is, like, vulnerable to this at this point. Um, Google is aware. They are working to patch it. But, you know, how long until the OEMs start patching it? You know, hopefully soon. Um, yeah. Word of caution, people. Don't go just installing apps from everywhere. Uh, Google has already updated the Play Store to uh, start s- scrutinizing different apps to see which permissions they're requiring and why. So yeah. you're still safe. You're still safer to download things through the Play Store than you are just APK Mirror or some friend or whatnot. Yeah, generally speaking, generally speaking. Uh, speaking of Google, they just need to track us, don't they? They really do. They really do need to track us. My life would not be complete if I wasn't being tracked by Google. Google is partnering with different uh, companies, uh, credit and debit card companies, shipping companies, and retail stores to track what you purchase. Which, hey, you're thinking, duh, they already do that. No, I mean when you, things you purchase offline. So this is like you going to the store because you guys are out of milk and it's 1 a.m. And you need milk for tomorrow. And Google goes, oh, hey, I noticed you just went and bought milk. Yeah. You enjoying your milk there, Zoner? Is that good milk? You know, I could remind you next time your milk's running low so you don't have to do that. Would you like that, Zoner? It would be kind of nice, actually. <laughs> In that instance, sure. But it's also kind of creepy. Well, you know, I was talking with my wife about this. So they just signed this deal that gives them access to about 70% of all U.S. credit and debit card transactions. That's a lot. But even if they don't have access to your transactions... If you have a Google or an Android phone, chances are they've still got access to your location. They know if you're going for that milk at 1 a.m. Or at least you're going for groceries at 1 a.m. And it's it, it's got me wondering, at what point do people start to say, Google has too much power. Google is too big. We need to break them up. I know we've kind of alluded to it in the past, 
But this is really, I think they're starting to cross a lot of lines. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I need to share something here real fast. And we have some more headlines, so I want to get through this pretty quickly. Using the Galaxy S8 Plus, I use Bixby now. Bixby doesn't have nearly the capability that Google Assistant does or Siri or Cortana, not by a long shot. Including voice. Including voice. <laughs> um, it can't track patch- uh, packages. Though, to be fair, at the moment, my Google Assistant can't either. Uh, don't know what's going on there, but uh, Google Assistant's having some real problems this last couple days. But it tells me how many emails I have and what my next appointment is. It also points out, hey, usually about this time of day, you contact this person. Which is odd, but it's like, oh, yeah, I do usually talk to my wife about this time of day. That's cool. Google Assistant tells you that? No, Bixby does. Oh, Bixby does. Oh, nice. And it tells me the weather where I am and a couple headlines. And that's about it. And you know what I found? Life's a lot simpler. Yeah. It's like, that's great. I don't care what Trump's doing right now. I don't need to find a good fall place near me. I don't need you to recommend things I purchased based on things I've purchased before. I don't need that right now. I need to get this other stuff done that I'm working on. I need to know specifically just what's in my email right now that I need to deal with. Well, That's you it. Know, I had a thought tonight. I, I'm going to be in Cleveland in July, and I wanted to see if the Cleveland Indians were going to be in town that week and what time their games are, because I'd like to try and catch a baseball game while I'm there. And as I was Googling Cleveland Indians schedule, the thought came to me that I am forever now going to get updates and scores and everything else on the Cleveland Indians because I've shown an interest in them. Yep. I mean, I that, get, there was your mistake right there. Uh, yeah, and as I was doing it, I realized Google now thinks that I am not only a New York Mets fan, but also a Cleveland Indians fan. And I got a little bit irritated at that thought. Yeah, you I, think that's bad. I spent a week in uh, Toronto. As soon as Google noticed I was in Toronto, it switched all my search preferences over to Canada. Did it really? Yeah. I was automatically going to Google.ca. All my purchases came from Amazon.ca. Everything was for the Canadian side of whatever. I was pulling up news stories for that. All of it. And it took a solid four days after I got back for it to catch on. I wasn't in Canada anymore. At that point, it's like, sorry. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Actually, it was telling me sorry the entire time I was there, too. It was very Canadian. Um, Into some more fun news. Well, fun for me anyway. Microsoft has announced and started pre-orders of the new Surface Pro. Not Surface 5 Pro, just Surface Pro. It's pretty. So no numbers, huh? No numbers. No numbers. It's just the Pro. And I gotta tell you, okay, so I say it's pretty, but in truth, it's really very much like the Surface 4. They've changed some things. The kickstand's a little bit different. They've beveled the edges a bit more so they're softer. The uh, camera isn't in a little uh, standout. You can't tell. It's just behind darkened glass, you know, like a cell phone. But otherwise, it's the same surface body, the same beautiful magnesium uh, chassis, very rigid, very well built. The vents on the back are a little bit smaller. You can get an i5 processor fanless. 
Nice. Which is just cool. You can get up to a Core i7 with 16 gigs of RAM and a one terabyte SSD. Okay. The thing is a beast. Uh, you know that really cool Surface Dial that they announced? It works with it. The new pen has like over 4,000 levels of sensitivity, so it's great for artists. It's a great little piece of kit. And... The one thing that people are kind of upset about is the fact that it doesn't have USB-C, that they decided to stick with USB 3.1 jacks and leave the USB-C jacks off, which it's at a really funny spot right now. And this is going to lead into a bit of, uh, uh, of advice here. But Microsoft said that they had to go back and forth a lot on that. There were a lot of discussions before they finally decided to leave it off. And it was simply because... There's a lot of existing Surface accessories that are all USB-based. And if they had moved to USB-C, they would have said goodbye to all of those and had to... There would be a lot more things for people to buy, and they didn't want to do that to people. Oh, so they didn't want to Apple yeah. all their users? And you'll find that that's actually something a lot of companies have done. The Galaxy S7 was the exact same way. There's a reason why it's still micro USB is because they weren't ready at that point to move to USB-C and screw everyone out of their accessories. Which I do appreciate. But there's a problem with it when it comes to mobile PCs. And this is what the Surface is, is a mobile PC. There are expansions you can get that run off of USB-C. For instance, NVIDIA has an external graphics card. You plug it into that, it sends the data out to the graphics card, lets the graphics card crunch on that data to return an image, puts the image back through the same USB port to display it on your screen. Effectively turning your laptop or Surface into a gaming PC. Versatile. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Well, and on top of that, Intel, and this is a different headline, but it's kind of interesting here. Intel, who uh, created the Thunderbolt port and Thunderbolt uh, protocols, no matter what Apple tries to say about their Lightning port, it's the same thing as USB-C. Thunderbolt goes over USB-C. In an effort to get more and more people to move to it, they're actually going to start giving the USB-C and Thunderbolt specs out for free. So chip manufacturers can include them in their new chipsets without having to pay Intel anything. Which is clever. Very clever. Yeah, I think that's really smart. You know, it's kind of like Microsoft giving free software to students. If you give it to them, they're going to use it. And if they use it, then they're going to buy stuff from you. So, that yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. Hey. That'd be pretty awesome. It would be pretty awesome. Um, otherwise, the Surface Pro. Can I just say, and, and this is going to sound like I'm fanboying here for Microsoft, which I do. I get that. But this is not intended as such. I really expected Google to be able to continue advancing the Android tablet so you were able to do more PC things with it. And I'm really surprised that here we are in 2017, and instead, Microsoft has made full-blown Windows 10 more tablet-friendly. Like, like I didn't expect this. I expected Google to elevate the Android tablet, not Microsoft to make the Windows tablet more accessible. No, I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair um, 
thought because I think that's what a lot of people expected. Google, I mean, between the Chromebook and their tablets with Android, you would expect that there would be some sort of evolution to more of what the Surface is. And Microsoft just came out and they said, well, screw it. We're just going to put a, put a entire computer inside of, or an entire PC inside of a tablet. And, and make it relatively affordable. And make it relatively affordable and amazing as crap. I mean, it's a great device. It's weird. It really is just weird. Uh, I can't wait to see when they start finally bringing out tablets with Microsoft Windows 10 S on it. Because if you could get a tablet for $200 that runs full-blown Windows, that'd be pretty cool, too. Yeah, it would. Um, would. Let's finish up here. I want to skip the Nokia phone one. Can we skip the Nokia phone? I don't even remember what that is. Women in India are finding innovative new uses for the classic Nokia phones, the really strong vibration function. I'll just leave it there. Um, so DJI, the world's largest manufacturer of drones, has introduced a new firmware where when you buy or receive a drone, you have to register it with DJI. You don't have to. You could go and not... But if you don't register it, it locks down certain functions. For instance, camera streaming, geospatial flight functions, uh, and you can only go up to 164 feet away from you and only 98 feet high. On one hand, I love this. This is a genius way to deal with the problems that have been cropping up from having uh, aerial drones. On the other hand, it seems kind of uh, heavy-handed. Now, the genius part of it is that the FAA doesn't really want to get involved. They're constantly in lawsuits over this, and they've said that they'd prefer companies to handle this instead of forcing it back on the FAA, right? And on the other hand, DJI doesn't want to get sued because, hey, your drone was able to fly up over into my yard and videotape my sunbathing daughter, right? That's bad PR for the company as well. If they can say, yeah, uh, that was our drone, and we can see that it was registered here to John Smith, um, and John Smith lives at this address, and that was his footage, you know, that allows them to push it back onto the actual perpetrator, not the company that made the drone. So I get that, and it's kind of a genius way, saying, hey, look, we're not saying you have to register, just you won't be able to use this for probably any of the functions you actually bought it for. Unless you do. Yeah. I... I, Mixed feelings. I think I'm okay with this because it's a company. It's not the government saying you have to do this. It's a company saying, look, you can buy our product, but if you don't choose to register our product, you're not going to be able to fully enjoy it. Which, you know, it's kind of annoying. I hate it when companies do that to stuff that I'm doing. I think a lot of it depends on how they're going to use this registration info. If they do, if, if they want to take that data and use it for marketing and stuff like that, I don't know that I'm cool with that. Yeah. Cause you've already paid them. It's not like Google where you're not paying them. You're giving them your data in exchange for their services. 
Um, so I think, you know, if, if they're going to market to you using it or if they're going to sell it to third parties or whatever, um, that's my main concern is what they're going to do with that. Now, we should note that they've always required users to register their drones to work with the app. So, I mean, this really isn't anything different that they're doing. True. True. Um, but it is, it is kind of clever and I got to give them that. And I, I would much rather see the drone manufacturers taking, taking the lead on this than the government taking the lead and saying, this is what you will do. Okay, I like that. I like that. That's a good point. All right. Um, into our favorites. Is that all of them? I think that's all of them. I think we got everything. Yeah, it's kind kind of a um, kind of a mess there on our show notes, eh? Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll I'll clean that up. Okay, so my favorite this week um is kind of a rehash again, just sticking with our theme here of an old Star Wars fan made animated short. It's a seven minute movie that was made by um Ota. Oda King 77077. Uh, you've probably seen this pop up in Facebook or on different things. It's been out for a couple of years where he made a anime version of a TIE fighter sequence from Star Wars, uh, where it's really just from the Imperial standpoint or point of view. And he did it using that old hyper stylized, hyper shaded animation style that you used to see in anime from the 80s and some American animation, too. And it was great. It was wonderful. Well, um, someone else, Pascal Reimser, Ramsire, reached out to the original artist and got permission and has reposted it, um, about a couple weeks ago using the music from Rogue One and all the sound effects from Battlefront 2. Nice. And times them up perfectly. And it really changes the entire feel of the film when it's movie accurate sounds. And he didn't just like slap in some wave files where he thought they'd go. There's a lot of audio mixing going into this. It is definitely worth checking out. That's cool. I think I actually used that as my favorite a few years back, um, mm-hmm. but obviously not this remastered version. Now, my favorite, uh, we got Wonder Woman coming out here in a few days, and I am super excited for it. And the more I see of Gal Gadot, the more I really like her. She just seems to be uh, quite a nice, genuine, uh, friendly human being. And I'm a huge fan of Conan O'Brien. I think the guy is hilarious. Well, the two teamed up. Gal Gadot, uh, as you may or may not know, was in the Israeli army. So she's trained to actually be a warrior. Uh, she can kill people. And Conan gave her 35 minutes to train him as to how to be a lean, mean fighting machine. And it went about as one would expect. So we've posted the video up on our site. Go check it out. Uh, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Pretty fun. A Wonder Woman who can do Krav Maga? Sure, let's go with it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, you know, she does get some pretty good shots in on him, too, um, regarding his appearance and his physique. So, yeah, it's it's good times. Mm-hmm. Can I just say I'm really excited for Wonder Woman? I am, too. I did not think I was going to be this excited, but the the more I see of it, the more excited I am. Indeed. Um, all right. Well, that is our show this week. Again, thanks for listening. Uh, check us out uh, 
Twitter, Facebook, feedback at StolenDroids.com. This episode will come out Tuesday, unless you're a Patreon subscriber, and then you get it early. You can find out more at Patreon.com slash StolenDroids. Uh, give us a call at 801-917-PEAK, and until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.